you uh, were born and raised in San Jose, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what? it's like the Bay Bay Area, California. Because from my perspective, with the, which is some some random European, that that sounds very very romantic to grow up in California. Uh, there's a lot of things going on in the Bay Area. How did you experience that? Because you had uh, a somewhat different upbringing than that, I would suppose. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't say romantic, um, but. I totally understand where that comes from. And the idea of, you know, born and raised California. I am definitely a Californian. You know, mm. I uh, I feel like I've definitely drank the Californian Kool-Aid. Like I, I, I look like I belong here, you know? Um, and I sound like I belong here. And yeah, I'm very open-minded. It's a very cool, you know, liberal place to live and be and, um, but yeah, I grew up in a pretty like conservative bubble, um, um, very, very Christian, very religious. So, and a lot of my music that I was exposed to initially was like Christian radio and um, church and all that. So yeah, I was kind of in a in a pretty conservative bubble in the middle of a city that was actually pretty liberal. I'd say San Jose and Bay Area. Um, you have Silicon Valley, Google, you know, Yahoo, Apple. Um, so, but yeah, you know, uh, it was a, it was an interesting upbringing, but it was also, you know, sort of, you know, makes me into who I am now. And I'm, I really like her. I genuinely like me, you know. That's good. So, That's very good. Yeah. I don't think everyone can say that. So I'm right. grateful for that. And then what I find interesting about your story is, is uh, given uh, how you grew up, you then decided to move all the way across country uh, to pursue music, which uh, I would say, uh, coming from a Christian conservative background, that's not the first thing you would think of. So what yeah. kind of uh, solidified that decision for you, that that, that is what you wanted to do? Mm. Well, from that background, it was sort of, it was go to college it, it was, you have to go to college, you know, there wasn't really another option or you were, you weren't really making something of yourself or making the right next move if you weren't going to college. Sure. And so I was like, well, frick, if I have, if I have to go to college, then I'm going to go to a music school. Um, and not even because I was like, I'm going to be a star or like, or I'm, I'm going to be a musician and, and, be a songwriter. I didn't even know what I wanted to do in music. I just knew that music was the thing that made me the happiest and it brought me the most joy and, and like healing in my life. So Lord, all right, if you're going to make me go to college, I'm going to pick a music school, I guess. What Was that a time of uh, discovery, both uh, uh, on a personal level, as well as on a musical level for you going to to live on your own halfway across or fully across the country uh, and kind of figuring things out by yourself yeah i mean how could it not it definitely was uh you know it was pretty liberating for me i remember that first week of leaving home being really sad and being like i made a mistake i'm going back home like it, feeling really isolated and I knew no one um, 3,000 miles away, you know, from, from home. And so um, 
yeah, it was really, it was a little confusing at first. And then I, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot in my home life and story that, you know, I've shared a little bit about with my brother now, um, since he's passed away and, and all that, but there's kind of a lot there that there's just, the stories also belong to other people who mm. I'm not, you know, I don't think they're ready for those stories to be told. So, Fair enough. um, but it was just, I think in the most sort of vague way, it was really volatile and it was really unhealthy and unstable. And, and I, I needed to get out and I needed to get as far away from home as I could. So, so 3000 miles away on the other side of, you know, the U S was like the perfect thing I needed and was scary at first. And I was a baby about it at first. And then, you know, once classes got started and, you know, I just was able to only think about, you know, what brought me joy and only think about, you know, I didn't know what my favorite color was, you know, like I can't, there, there was such a world in which I, I didn't know who I was or what made me happy because I was so wrapped up in the stuff going on around me. Um, so yeah, college and, and Berkeley, you know, I love Berkeley. I think it's a great music school, but, but it was more about my own self-development than it was about learning music, I think. If you think about the songs that you wrote around that time and compare them to, to what you're working on now and what you've released now with your debut album, how would you say you've grown as, a, as an artist, as a songwriter, as an mm. individual? Well, I know what I want to say a lot more now. I think back then there was a lot of shooting in the dark of like, you know, does this sound good or second guessing myself or writing a lyric and being like, is this dumb or needing to play it for my roommate or a friend to be like, is this good or not? Whereas now, you know, and not in an egotistical way, but in a way that I like, know, I know myself and I know what I want to make. Um, if I write something down, I'm not looking for someone to validate it. Mm. You know, I'm not looking for someone to be like, yeah, that line is really good right there. I'm like, no, I... I think it's really good. And I, I, that's exactly what I wanted to say. And oh, that was so poignant. Um, so that's probably the, the biggest difference. And that's even just happened in the last year of writing okay. this album. Well, in that sense, then, because has that whole experience of your divorce and writing uh, this debut album, has that? Um, obviously that's a big part of your life. So, so how has that influence kind of, uh, like you said, you're, you're happy with who you are now. Uh, how has that process been? Or what has that process been like for you to, to mentally uh, get those thoughts out to paper creatively in a, in a productive way, in a, in a sense? Mm. Well, and I use this word already, but I think liberating okay. tends to be the, this through line. Um, yeah, I just, there's no, there's no limitations. It doesn't feel like there's not anything that I can't say or do. Um, and I think that's a shift that happened sometime last year. Um, so I would, I would say that's a bit more recent for sure. Um, like I was sitting down this morning, I finished the album in December. So, and I stopped writing. 
I was like, I need a break. I need to stop writing for a second. And this morning was the first morning I like wrote some sort of poetry down in my journal and was like, oh, this could build into something or a cool, cool record. And um, was thinking about songwriting again. I got so excited and I was not thinking, is this any good, you know, or is that right. really what I want to say? I wasn't second guessing it. I was just, A, I was having fun because I love to write and I haven't in a long time. It kind of feels like a long time. And uh, B, yeah, A, it was fun. And B, it was so like therapeutic to like work through and be like, ah, oh, like I just want to say what I want to say and I don't care. And it's dope. Right, because this sentiment is it's kind of uh, it makes me think of, of a line I wrote down from one of your uh, songs, uh, Me Without You, where um, there's a line you almost had me fooled, like like um, you couldn't do it by yourself or you couldn't be happy in, in a sense, or I, that's just how I interpret it. But um, yeah, was that a turning point when when that song was written for you uh, in a way? Yes. Yeah, because moral of the story, I think, was the first turning point in that direction. Mm. Um, but I was still really friendly about the situation. Um, and I think it was a, it's a really mature record. It comes from sure. a pretty mature place. But, um, you know, me without you, there, there's something powerful mm. in, like, acknowledging your abuse. Like, a acknowledging that what you went through was was wrong and was painful and you were wronged and i think there's a sense of especially i, I don't i don't know a ton of stories from other men i know other stories from mostly other women but right. you know so so those stories that i know are it's very um you want to water it down you want to like oh no one's gonna believe me or uh Oh, there's two sides to every story. You know, you want you want to always be like, there's two sides to every story. You know, I played my part, he played his part, or she played his, her part. And sometimes I think, you know, that's counterproductive when you're trying to heal out of something that was really traumatizing. Right. And so moral of the story was a very, like, I think a little bit more of a, I still, I mean, I love that record and it changed my life, but it is a much more like, you know, you did this and I did this and sometimes it doesn't work out, which is true. Um, but me without you was like of an acknowledgement of you wronged me. And, and I think I needed to do that. It was really liberating. It was really right. good for me. And how do you then, and then this is kind of about the whole record then, but how do you, um, create a sonic landscape for those feelings that you had because like you said you could have just written a very depressing breakup uh, thing but you didn't so so what was kind of the, uh, the reasoning behind uh, the sonic, uh, sonic approach oh that's such a good question that's a good question um, thank you I think I think the most honest answer is that I I love a good depressing sounding record. I do, you know, uh, Elliot Smith back mm -hmm. in the day. Um, 
even Phoebe Bridgers does a really good job of just like making you feel sad. Be like, let's just sit in the sadness. And sometimes that's exactly what you need. Um, but the music that I listen to the most usually has a, uh, has a satirical way of um, painting a picture. Um, and so just like the lyrics are painting the picture, the sonic landscape is, is the other side of painting that picture. And I tend to be much more satirical with my, uh, my writing and my style. And maybe that comes from, you know, listening to the Beach Boys and Queen and, and Elton John. And, and I love a good fun record. And, and also like very inspired by film. Um, mm. I think uh, Quentin Tarantino does a really good job of taking really heavy sure. sort of scary elements, but making them kind of light and satirical and um, like borderline fun. And so I think that's what I really wanted to do, especially with a record like me without you and wanted to do that in the music video. And yeah. No, I think because uh, one of the songs I had that reaction to was "I'm Fine." It's it's very that that it's a very uplifting song if you didn't pay attention to the words in a way. <laughs> yeah. So, with that, let's take that song as an example. Then, how do, do you do you start with the music and then then the lyrics uh, come over it, or is it the other way around? How do you generally uh, tend to write songs? I think it it really changes. It sort of depends on the day. I, I think it depends on, sometimes it depends on what you eat in the morning for breakfast. You know, it's so, it's so volatile. You, you never know, know which way you're going to create something. With I'm Fine specifically, it was on my drive over to my session. I had, I don't know what sparked it. Um, sometimes it just comes out of nowhere. But I remember driving and being like, I wanted to hear the the melody and then the the harmonies come in or the background vocals come in as a, a call and response situation. Mm -hmm. And I wanted it to be all the chorus. You know, I didn't want the background vocals to be the background vocals. I wanted it all to feel like one lead in the chorus. Right. So I remember playing with ideas in my head. And as soon as I got to the session, I drove up in the driveway parked and was like at the, I was working with this producer Noah Conrad that day and I was like Noah we'll catch up at the end of the session I want to know how you're doing but right now I have an idea and I need to sit down at the piano and we need to hash it out and I remember going straight to the piano and figuring out those chords um and so in that scenario it was it didn't start with the lyric it started with and I like an saw a song structure idea mm. so happens but, differently every time no, that, that's interesting because uh well that's one way of writing a song then does it happen the other way around uh then where a song is a slow burner and it, it'll take you months to kind of uh, get the general sense of, of what you want to do with it and if so if there is there one on the record that ended up on the record yeah you know typically i'd say a song comes pretty quick And it's like, and I sort of just write it down. They're like, there's the song. All right. Is it good or not? If it's good, put it on the record, you know? Um, but Ryan's song about my brother, that one took the longest. And I really, 
I really wanted to honor him and and respect him and his story. And so I really, it took a lot of like toiling through and I must have rewrote that second verse okay. 30 times maybe. I mean, I don't remember what, I can't think of specific other lyrics that I wrote. Um, that would be interesting. I should go back into my journals and find them. But um, I had the first verse and pre and chorus written and the bridge. And it took me like just like three months to figure out that second mm. verse. Um, and I really love that second verse now. I'm really happy with it. But yeah, sometimes a song will do that to you or there's like life you're working through. Um, if it's about a specific life experience, but you're still experiencing it, like so much of that song is me healing after my brother's death. Sure. So how do you write that in one day? You know, sure. I, I need to experience it and then, and then write it down. So, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'll have a few records on my next album that are written that way. Okay. Um, because well and if, if you don't want to get into it that's that's fine uh, because uh, like you mentioned you don't want to it's it's about real people so um but w with uh ryan's song what made you ready to to write a song about it or to talk about it in a sense mm. i think that and thanks for being so respectful and saying that first. Um, I I feel really good about sharing his story now. Um, and I know that he would be, we had a conversation before he passed away about talking through his addiction publicly. And because he was sober for like three and a half years before he relapsed. Um, so we had some good conversations around that and feel comfortable. So I'll say... I don't know that I knew I was ready. I just knew the only way I've ever processed my life is by writing it down. Mm -hmm. um, and so there was very like obvious healing that needed to happen um, that I don't know I would have been able to do other than writing a song about it. Now I could have written a song about it and not put put it on the album you know I could have just processed my feelings healed and then kept it for myself um but there's something really powerful about his story that um I wanted the war I wanted people to hear it and I also wanted my fans to like get into the mud with me mm. a bit I think sometimes like we think things are so like polished and, and fun and easy and then artist life is you know gl glamour and you know I, I just I think there, there's a piece of like let do don't ever forget that I'm a human that is experiencing incredibly human things like losing someone I love um and I think that connection it reminds your fans that you're not alone it reminds the listener that they're not alone um because there's such a divide between artist and listener sure. you know so there's a lot of reasons why i felt like it was the right thing to do um i don't know that i ever 
I just don't know if I'm ready now, still, you know, but. Well, the, 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 that's, uh, I would say, uh, an ongoing process. You'll never be, uh, it's it's not like you end up end up at a point and say, now I'm done with that. It's, 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 it just keeps on going, so. Yeah, and it's not something you can fix, right. you know, like de death and loss, you know, it's, you can't uh, fix it. It's a, it's an unfortunate part of life, but it's it's yeah it's 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 just it is let, let's put it that way. Um, yeah, yeah. As a quick side note, then, who, because of that, I've heard you talk about people like Bob Dylan and and uh, Carl King, but who were the people that you would listen to when you had a tough time growing up? Were there people that gave you that kind of sense of? connection or well like you mentioned like i can imagine a lot of people who have experienced a similar thing uh can find in ryan's song so uh who, who fulfilled that role for you so to say oh when i was younger or maybe yeah, still before, yeah you know still now it's a lot of um simon and garfunkel bridge over troubled water that record I don't care how good my day is going, I will fall. I will start crying on the spot. That song crushes me every time. And then Carol King and Bob and all of them. But when I was younger, I, I was a little bit emo. I definitely like, was like a emo kid and liked um, some smaller indie bands. Um, I mentioned Elliot Smith. There's this guy, uh, Dallas Green, who is uh, City in Color um who else this band copeland i just there's this lyric you break your neck to keep your chin up <laughs> and i just i still want to get it tattooed i haven't yet but i'm like oh so those are some, i mean they're smaller indie bands they're less well known but um those are probably some records i listen to also all records and bands that my brother showed me fair <laughs> enough because what well, what I'm trying to to get at is well, when you started writing your songs and and releasing your songs yourself and and especially now the debut album were you um, aware of the fact that the, the kind of the, the the role that people of or, or that music can play in people's lives well, did you kind of uh, realize uh, that people might find something in in there. Mm. I think it was after the songs were written that I started thinking about that because I also was, you know, when you're creating and you're like, when you're making the art, I think that um, it can be a little bit uh, deterring for you as an artist to create if you're thinking about how, you know, how's this going to be received or is someone going to feel um uh, like a sense of belonging or a little less alone or some of those sentiments do come through while you're writing but for the most part I think I'm a better writer when I'm just like thinking about what do I need to say what do I need to hear you know what's gonna be healing and serving to me in this moment and then oftentimes I find that the things I need to say are the things that my audience wants to hear um, and then once the songs are written, then you can really feel like the impact a record's going to have and mm. the impact it's going to 
have on on your on the listener you know Right, but those are kind of separate things in a way, the, the creative, and, and then once it's released, it's because that's what I hear often, that once it releases, it's, it's no longer yours. People kind of take it and do with it what they will. So. Yeah, and think about it. Like, it's only mine and only mine for way shorter amount of time mm-hmm. than when it's out in the world. Then it belongs to everyone, and it belongs to everyone for forever. Right. You know, but but when you're writing it, it's only yours for like, I don't know, maybe a year, however long it's going to take you before you put that thing out, you know? Um, yeah. So that's really important to me. They, they kind of have to remain separated in order for me to make, I think, a good song that I like. Right. Well, the, with that in mind, did you, did you know kind of when, because you mentioned uh, writing your songs and then if, it, if it's good enough, it'll end up on the record. So with a record like this, uh, especially when it's the uh, debut album, um, do you know when you have the right songs or do you know when you kind of have to have a good, comp- uh, good number of songs in a way or enough to compile the album with? That's if that makes sense, question. that sounds a bit weird. I didn't formulate it right, but I, I think you get what I'm saying. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. I think I, I think I understand what you're saying. I, I think it's actually a really good question. Um, I don't know that it was quantitative or like uh, that I could really put my finger on when I knew. I actually, I thought the album was done in like, like October-ish. Um, no. When did my brother die? September, September 11th. Um, the the album, all the other songs were written and done before September. Okay. And I was like, this is dope. I love this record. This is going to be great. Um, and there was just a sense about this feels done. Like, I, I don't want to, I don't need to say anything else for this album. And then, and then my brother passed away. And then there was a sense of, oh, you know, I really don't think the album's done until I, write a song for him mm, right um especially on my first album called my first name it was like he had to have a song you know right so so then yeah i kind of opened the book back up and, and wrote then and but i had already made my mind up that it was pretty much done before that so once ryan's songs was done it was like yep that's it he's it right. that's it in terms of songwriting, you mentioned some, something else that I found interesting, um, that uh, you're still experiencing kind of what you write as you are writing about uh, things. So in terms of, and, and some of the, a bunch of the songs are obviously about your relationship uh, and the divorce. Um, were you writing these songs or were these thoughts already coming to paper? Or was it all written kind of in hindsight in a way? Hmm, That's a good question. I think most of it, like uh, the records in particular that are about my divorce and that Mm -hmm. relationship, I think most of those are hindsight. Um, Kind of digging back into those things. Like we talked about, you know, me without you sort of like, oh, I haven't really acknowledged, Mm. you know, the power of this or like how I was, you know, wronged or so um, I'm going to dig into that. And so I would say most of it's hindsight. Um, Obviously, like we said, Ryan's song is definitely experiencing Mm -hmm. it as I'm writing it. Um, 
trying to think of other particular records. Always was a very theoretical song. Um, I am in a really happy, healthy, loving, really good relationship now. Okay. And um, and so I was writing about sort of the fact it's like, I, I care about you so much that if it was better for you to leave, then, then that's how much I love you is to let you go. And I, I just cried my eyes out writing that song. I hate the idea of letting him go, <laughs> but also totally acknowledge that if that's the right thing, then I will do that. So that was kind of a song that was something I was experiencing, emotions I was experiencing in the moment. But right. Because yeah. well, it's interesting that you say that because you, you've called yourself a serial uh, monogamous and, and there's a song uh, with a similar title on, on the record. So, but, but for instance, in a song like uh, Save Myself, you, after the fact, you could realize that it was dysfunctional, that it was toxic or... or um, so is that a worry of yours that you might dive in uh, head over heels too too deeply? I, I don't know if that's the way you phrase it, but oh, to totally, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, one thousand percent. I think that what was so great about how unhealthy and how toxic my marriage was is that I got a lot of tools mm -hmm. to learn, you know, what I deserve, what. I can contribute to a relationship. What I can't contribute to a relationship, that's super important. Like, you know, my my ex-husband wanted so much more of me than I could give him. You know, I, I, I was in my early 20s. You know, sure. I mean, I was exploring, I was exploring my career and there were so many opportunities that he was like, you can't do that unless I go. Like you're, you can't, you can't do this thing unless I'm a part of it. Um, or you can't write with that guy because I don't, I haven't met mm. him yet. And I don't know if he's trustworthy yet, like very controlling. protective and yeah. controlling. And so, and, and wanted dinner on the table as well. And I was like, I know what I can't contribute. And that's not, I, I'm not a, I can't be a housewife. Um, and so going into sort of the, the relationship I'm in now, it's like out the gate, I was like, here's what I can do for you. Here's what I can't do. Um, my number one priority is my career, music. That's it. Um, you will always be number two in this season that I'm in right now. That's just the way it is. And then the other person gets to choose if that works for them or not, you know? So while I am always concerned about jumping in quickly, I will say I have a lot more, I think, maturity and, and wisdom now than I did before. So, and, and this goes back to what we were saying earlier as well. Like it's an ongoing process. So, so every experience, even though it's horrible, you might learn something from it, right? Yeah, totally. Um, there's there's kind of two questions I still want to ask. I want to ask one question about Phineas and not necessarily specifically about uh, um, yeah the specific work that you did, but because I've spoken to other people who've worked with him and, and he seems quite a prolific uh, producer. What makes him such a yeah such a, such a good person to to be creative with? Hmm. 
That's a good question too. You've asked so many good questions. <laughs> Thank you. This is a this is a great interview. Thank you. Um, you know, I think if I had to narrow it down to something or boil it down to something specific, he is really confident. He's um you know, even if he's wrong, he's he's so confident and stands by his creative choices that it makes any collaboration with him or any work, you know, creative working flow with him so easy mm-hmm. because you're not, he's not second guessing himself every second. You're not saying you're guessing yourself, you know, it's, um, it's incredibly simple, you know, um, he, he knows what he likes. He knows what he doesn't like. Um, I think he has a lot of anxieties in life, but, and his own set of insecurities as well. But I think, and we've taught him and I have talked about that before, but he is not insecure about his ideas. Mm -hmm. You know, he's very steadfast, I'd say. And I'm a people pleaser. I mean, my whole life I was like, is this the right thing to do? What do you think about this? And then in writing, is this lyric even any good? Or what do you think people are going to like, blah, hate that, hate it, still recovering, still getting past it. Like we talked about earlier, he doesn't have that. Um, and I think that's really powerful. Yeah, that's probably a very, very um authentic way of, of being creative and very and this ties in with what you mentioned earlier of not wanting to think about how it might be perceived but just being in that moment and thinking if, if i think it sounds good it, it, it sounds good um last question yeah. then, because you haven't written anything uh yet you mentioned but you, you wrote your first poem uh this morning i think mm-hmm. you said this morning um yeah what's is on your mind or, or have, have you already uh, are, are certain things on your mind looking forward in terms of what you want to do creatively I have thing I have I have like blips and and little sparks and inspirations um I think I already know what the second album's called which okay. is kind of funny I'm not gonna ask I've, you I'm not going to tell you. So good. <laughs> that would be so silly for me to give it away. Right. Um, yeah, I um, I I have little moments. I, I've never been really good about uh, like a concept album. Mm-hmm. I think that I think someone could listen to my album and be like, "That's a divorce album," but there's records on there that aren't about my divorce at all. It's it's just a record about my life, you know. So I sort of just have to see what's going to unfold. My my life has been joyful and wonderful and then also kicked me in the teeth mm. so many times that I just want to see, see what shows up. And, and then I'll, I think those stories will end up coming out on whatever comes next. Sounds good. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And... Um, yeah, I wish you all the best with the, I mean, the, the album's out now. So uh, was that a scary yeah. moment? Was it, were you anxious? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm still, I'm still <laughs> anxious about it. It doesn't feel like it's been out for, it's been out like a month? No, mm-hmm. no, like three weeks or something. 
it feels it still feels like I'm like running around naked in public. Like it's so, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but um, I'm excited. I'm grateful that it's out. I think people like, people like a bunch of it and that's really cool. <laughs>